Hey, this is Sharon Srivats, and welcome back to the Business School Podcast. And in this episode, I'm going to break down for you the three most important things that you need to know about investing in multifamily complexes. And by the way, please, this is it does not matter if you're an investor or you like real estate or not. This is so foundational that I think every single person who at least has $1 to invest should at least know how this asset class works and something that I wish I had known 20 years ago that would have changed the very financial bloodline of my family. I'm sharing these uh, big ideas with you because if I had known these a long time ago, uh, it would have been a game changer for me. So I'm going to break down the three most important things that you need to know about investing in multifamily in today's environment. And it all starts right now. One thing is for certain, just because it's tried and true doesn't mean it's working right now. So the big question is this, where can you learn what is working right now? The strategies, the tactics, the psychology, and the exact how-to, how to grow your business, how to blow up your personal brand and supercharge your personal growth. That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Sharon Srivatsa, and welcome to Business School. So in the olden days, in the olden days, when we wanted to invest in something like a stock, when you had to buy IBM or GE or whatever, you would have to call your stockbroker and say, hey, let's buy me 100 shares of uh, IBM today. And the stockbrokers would sell you stuff and then they would make commissions on it. In fact, hey, I was on Wall Street. I get this, right? But what changed the game is I actually think that when platforms like Charles Schwab and E-Trade and TD Ameritrade uh, all came into play, something powerful happened. It gave access to the execution of this investment, meaning it was not just about investing in real estate or investing in stocks or investing in cryptocurrency. What those platforms did was they gave us an interface solution to saying, oh, I can go buy 10 shares of IBM and see what happens with it in an account. And it made it really easy. And that's the problem that I see with more sophisticated investments. A lot of reasons why people invest in the stock market or the bond market using their IRAs or their 401ks or or what, what have you is because it's just easier to do and it's not complex. And I think that is the foundational problem when it comes to investing in real estate. When it comes to investing in real estate, people instantly think about, oh my gosh, uh, I can't buy real estate for cheap or it's going to cost a lot of money to start my first investment. I bet you have thought about that, whether you've invested a dollar or never invested in real estate, I bet you have thought about that. And in today's episode, I don't want to I'm not trying to get you to invest in something or think about it differently. All I'm trying to get you an understanding of is a is what I learned over the years so that you don't have to go through the 15-year learning curve that I did, which I thought I was doing a really good job. And how it all happened for me is I thought the only way to invest in real estate was uh, first, I thought it was a good thing because everyone said, hey, you should reach rich dad, poor dad, and you should uh, buy a home and you should get a mortgage and you should have someone else pay for your mortgage. And uh, But no one tells you the other components of it. And then, by the way, if you bought one home and it was in some, you know, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama or Sacramento, California, and you didn't live there, now you have to figure out how to manage it. You're worried about what happens with the water heater breaks, et cetera. And then you're like, man, make me making, you know, $120 a month with this big investment doesn't make any sense. So I need to buy more and you buy more. And then now you have 13 homes and you're like, wow, I've used all the liquidity that I have to invest in these homes and now I'm doing all the work. 
And that's what I thought investing in real estate was all about, where I had to go acquire these various single family homes in different markets, working with different agents, which, by the way, without agents and marketplaces, we'd be totally, totally destroyed. But that's the issue that I want to solve for you today. What I want to solve for you is I want to take you behind the scenes of how not about the single family buying a house type thing, but I want to give you a window into understanding multifamily investment. So let me explain what that is. If I were to do it all over again, I would, um, ha- I would have, yes, invested in a couple of pieces of single family real estate, bought a home, bought a condo, bought uh, a, a duplex, et cetera. But I would have transitioned to investing in multifamily real estate or apartment complex investing a lot sooner because of this one reason. Uh, it is not just about the real estate. It's about the business. That's why. And today in this episode, I want to tell you about multifamily 101. So uh, the great part here is most people don't know the background of what investing in multifamily apartment complex is all about. This episode, this one episode will give you the entire perspective of what nobody tells you so that you can learn what took me 15 years to learn in under 15 minutes. So this is the one foundational episode that you need to know that gives you a great perspective on what investing in multifamily apartment complex is all about. Um, So, uh, in fact, I'm going to give you the three foundational pieces that every multifamily investor should know and how you think about it, how to operationalize it, the questions to ask. Uh, so that if you choose to either do more of it today or think about more of it for the future, you will have a sense of what's coming down uh, the pipeline for you and how to think about it. All right. So three big pieces that I want to share with you today. Number one, the real estate is secondary. (laughs) Number two, the business plan is crucial. And number three, the subtle balance between being an investor and an operator. Those three things will give you exactly what you need to know when it comes to investing in multifamily or apartment complex investing. So um, as I shared with you, I thought, uh, let me give some context. I I thought that investing in single family homes was the only way. I bought my first single family investment in Mount Shasta, California, which I've, by the way, it's like, I I don't even know what the address of this investment was. And my friend was a real estate agent, you know, found this investment for me, roughly $100,000. I didn't have the down payment to put down. I actually borrowed money from cash advance credit cards and use that as an investment because at that time I was living with my family and I didn't have any money. And, uh, and, and, but I still thought that while I was living with my family, the money that I used would have used for rent, I should use, I should utilize to buy this investment property. And I did, and all of that decent things happened, but I never thought I could buy big stuff. Even the $100,000 investment with me pulling, putting down $18,000 and then barely making money out of it, I thought that was the way to go because I thought it was a volume play. And I wish I had learned this stuff sooner that I'm going to share with you today. All right. So here are the three big pieces of the puzzle. Piece of the puzzle number one uh, is real estate is secondary. And here's what I mean by that. Think of this as I'm I'm sharing this very specific component with you. There is a big difference between buying real estate where you can say, oh, I buy this house. It's all about location. It's all about schools. It's all about the quality of the neighborhood. It's all about the condition of the property. There are so many pieces to the puzzle. But when it comes to apartment living, right, nobody randomly puts an apartment in the middle of nowhere because there is a reason why apartment complexes exist. And it's important to know uh, how the, the macroeconomic conditions of apartment complex investing work because you're still creating living environments for people and changing their lives. So think about this where I'm going to stack four things in a triangle for you. So please picture this is a triangle and I'm going to go level one, which is the bottom, level two, which is second from the bottom, level three, which is third from the bottom and level four, which is the top. That's how I think about 
uh, this multifamily investing. So I'm going to give you the bottom piece of the triangle right now because it's a very specific way to think about this, right? So, so picture this triangle. I'm going to give you the bottom layer. The bottom layer is the macroeconomic environment. How you invest is based on how the broad economy is. So uh, a big assets move dramatically with the macroeconomic environment. So for example, today, it's a very interesting macroeconomic environment to live uh, to to buy multifamily uh, real estate because of affordability, right? In as I'm recording this, we're just just doing this after the pandemic. There's a huge, you know, crush in affordability of single family housing. So people are saying, "Man, I'll rent for a few more years." So because there's an affordability issue, it makes apartments more attractive because people need to rent more. So there's a macro component along with the other components as well. You know, the world wants to rent everything, right? But the second layer up top after that is then saying, all right, well, I got the macroeconomic component. What is the second layer? And the second layer is the geographic component. I'll give you a simple example. Uh, when we invest in multifamily complexes, we don't invest in the state of California at this time. And the reason is there is some very interesting rent control laws, good, bad, or ugly, it doesn't matter. But as an investor, it makes it hard for us to create business plans and manage the asset based on these, based on how it all works. So we had to think about that a little differently. So there's a geographic component to where you're investing and we're doing most of our investments in the Southeast, which is primed for growth, does not have rent control issues, uh, has better weather. It has, um, you know, uh, income growth. It has, it has sprawling suburbia. So you can actually grow from a broad metro and things like that. And people are kind of moving south of the Mason-Dixon line to do things like that. So geographically is the second layer. The third layer is now, what is the real estate asset? And I talked about the real estate being secondary, and this is what I mean. The real estate asset, people just say, oh yeah, I'm just going to buy this and wait for it to go up in value. No, that's not how multifamily investing works. The asset is important. The complex is important. How, what shape it is and is important. How it's being operated is important. But the asset is the is the foundational framework infrastructure layer. There's something that actually has to happen below, you know, ahead of that. We're not just investing in a piece of land. There's more to it. And that is the third layer, which is the asset. And the fourth layer is the business. We're running a business on top of the macroeconomic conditions, on top of the geographic location, on top of the asset, and then the business. So think about this, um, the triangle one more time. First layer, macroeconomic conditions. Second layer, geographic uh, location. Third layer, the multifamily asset itself. And the fourth layer, the business. The reason is the business drives something called profits, right? We have to run the business responsibly. And the value of the asset, unlike a piece of real estate based on, quote, what they say, comps. Hey, that home next to you sold for $3 million, so your home is probably tracking somewhere like that. No, that's not how a lot of these assets work. Yes, in a in a faster market, you get some, you get some lift in comparable sales. But the key function of this is if your asset is performing poorly from a business perspective, you don't, the value is not determined. And you don't get that. You can't unlock the value. So a multifamily complex, it actually works exactly like a business. It's valued like a business on profits. And we call that profit net operating income or NOI, net operating income. And so, for for example, the let's say the net operating income of an asset is $100,000 a year. I'm totally making this number up. That asset puts spits up $100,000 a year. Based on which market that is in right now, uh, the multiple, right? The multiple meaning how, what, what multiple of that, uh, that number is the value of the asset. We're seeing, based on the market, 15 to 20 times 
the value of net operating income to be the value of the asset. So if you do 20 times $100,000, right, that's $2 million. That is the value of that asset. So every time you increase the net operating income, meaning you run the business that much better, you get a 20 times lift in value, which is where this gets very, very interesting. So for you uh, investment bankers and corporate finance folks out there, it is very similar to EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, uh, depreciation, and amortization, essentially net income of a property. That is net operating income. That is the number that allows us to run a good business. We, If you know anything else and you're talking to somebody about a investment in multifamily, you should ask for, hey, like, can you talk to me about the NOI trends or what's happening with NOI on this property or what's your plan to juice NOI on this property? Right. So that is the number one thing. Real estate is secondary. The business is primary. Here's number two, which is you're talking about this NOI thing. The the big NOI, which is net operating income, our job is to grow the business of this this multifamily company. That is number two. How do you grow the business? Because the business plan becomes really cru- crucial. Whenever I, I'm talking about investing in a multifamily project, I'm like, hey, can you show me the business plan for this project? Like, why are you buying this today? What are you going to do with it? How are you going to improve the business? And generally speaking, you will hear this idea of value add. And I want you to listen to that. I, I've been doing um, and investing in a lot of value add opportunities. And the idea is, hey, you buy this asset, you add at, at, you know, at a value today. You add value to it. And because you've added value to it and improved the quality of the business, you get like close to a 10 to 20x benefit in the value that you've done, which along with leverage, meaning you're getting a loan, dramatically juices returns for investors. So it's it's really powerful if it's run well. So here's value add. So again, terminology for you is when you're talking about net operating income of the asset, you say, hey, what is the business plan to value, add value to this property? There's generally speaking, uh, there's more ways than this, but there's generally speaking three big ways to add value to a property. Number one is to grow the revenues. Number two is to reduce the expenses. Just like a business, you grow the top line, reduce the bottom line. And the third is to structure it elegantly. I want to give you a couple ideas around that. So let's talk about growing revenues. Very simply, and I look at a business plan, I always ask, well, is there a way I can grow rents? Is there a way I can increase rents? What would it take to increase rents? Well, sometimes... We don't have to do anything to increase rents because the landlords just have been lazy and not increase rents. So you could, as the leases come up for renewal, you can just bump up the rents. Hard to do, but you have to kind of do some incentives, but you can do that because if you've not changed rents on a property for 10 plus years, a lot of times when we buy the property, we can go in and what they call bring rents up to market rents, which instantly increases the value of the property. Additionally, you can charge fees. There are fees like pet fees, or which is which is important because the pets destroy the property. Or you can have concierge fees to take out trash to make the lives of the uh, of the residents easier. When you do that, you have to do some upgrades, right? And so, either growing the rents or growing the fees, we have to do some upgrades in the property. Upgrade the common areas, upgrade the amenities, put in new locker rooms, put in new uh, entertainment uh, facilities, put in a new pool, have a new cabana, create, uh, uh, you know, create barbecue areas, create a dog park. When you do things like that, it increases the value of the property so you can charge more in rents and fees. Number two is reduce expenses. The key part about reducing expenses is having good operators, right? We hire the specific on-the-ground operators when we invest in properties to run the business like it's their own. Like, you need a team. So when we buy an asset, we don't be like, oh, yeah, we bought this asset. We buy a team associated with this asset, and that's why this gets fun very quickly. And number three, you got to structure it elegantly. When I say structure elegantly, what I mean is sometimes you will buy an asset that has 
um, a really bad loan on it and we put a new loan on it. And that way, maybe you got the loan at a, at a significantly higher price and you were able to refinance it. And because of that, of, of our balance sheet, putting it behind it, doing that, it changes the economics of the property and instantly adds value to the investors. So a lot of times I ask for what is the business plan? How do you grow revenue? How do you reduce expenses? How do you structure this elegantly? And that becomes a value add component. So terminology wise, think about net operating income as the business metric of it and think about value add as how you grow that. And the last but not least, I want to talk to you about this, you know, being an investor or an operator. Uh, do not confuse the two. Do not confuse being an investor and an operator. My suggestion would be if you are investing in real estate, find a trusted operator with transparency first, right? I recently saw this video with Grant Cardone and Grant was like, hey, someone wrote me a check for $20 million and asked all these questions about how I run my property. I got so irritated that I gave him the check back for $20 million because if you don't trust me, I don't want your money. Well, I personally think that is the dumbest thing ever because we have a fiduciary responsibility to our investors who are co-investing these properties with us. So if someone wrote, uh, you know, one of our projects to check for $20 million, not only do I want them to have full access to all the diligence that they have, not only do I want them to visit the property anytime that they want, not only do I want them to have full access to all the books, every single investor, maybe for a dollar or $20 million, they should have full access to everything so that they can see that their money is being invested and managed and, 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 uh, you know, uh, and utilized in the best possible way. So finding trusted operators with transparency is a super, super important thing. So think about that. And last but not least, I would say, you know, invest first, operate second. Your job is not to buy a duplex and operate it. Like invest first, operate second, because now you're adding another scope of work for yourself. And if it doesn't work at the end with an operator in place, it won't work with you because it's only going to cause more stress. You're going to get the calls that the toilet broke in the night. You're going to get a call to fix the laundry machine. You're going to get a call to do all of those things. So separate being an investor and an operator, because if you don't, it gets really messy. So Ask the question, do you want to be an investor or an operator? If you want to be both, then then I would say invest first, be an operator second. Uh, just FYI, I serve as a chairman of uh, our our multifamily uh, investment company. It's called ARC Multifamily Group. I'm an advisor and investor of the business. If you are interested in checking it out, go to arcmf.com. That is ARC Multifamily, arcmf.com. Uh, and you can set up some time with my um, my partner, who is the CEO of ARC Multifamily Group, Robert Pereira. Or if you're watching this on your phone, just DM me the word invest on Instagram, and I'm sure my team will pick it up and send you all. Just DM me the word invest, and we'll send you details around the stuff just so you can learn more about it, right? So let me quickly recap this. Hopefully, this was helpful to you. Number one, a good asset in multifamily is a good business. It's not just about real estate growth. It's about growing and operating the business well. Number two, you also have to, when you acquire a multifamily complex, and you actually, the business plan is crucial. So ask for, hey, what is the value add business plan for this project and how does it improve net operating income? And the third is, do not confuse being an investor and operator. In, be a, you know, be a investor first and be an operator second because you want to make this as passive as possible because you don't need another job, right? So uh, hopefully that was helpful. That is my, my multifamily 101 for you. Um, if you have questions around this topic, I love this and I wish I'd started doing this sooner rather than later. I've only been doing, you know, core multifamily investing for the last five years. If I had started doing this 20 years ago, it would have changed the financial bloodline of my family forever. So I am sharing with you what I wish I knew back then. Um, so here, here are three things for you. Thing number one, if you please take a screenshot of this episode and just, can you just share it and tag me? Cause I think I would appreciate knowing that this is of interest to you and you, you enjoyed it. Just share it. Screenshot this, share it, and tag me. Uh, one, get to you some engagement. Two, allows me to know that this was actually 
valuable and I can make more like this. Number two, if you think this is helpful, uh, you can feel free to just share this episode on your social, et cetera, saying, hey, if you're interested in multifamily, just go listen to this as all I want to do is promote this knowledge that I did not have before. And number three, if you want to, again, co-invest with the things that we're working on, don't tell me later that, hey, Sharon didn't give me the hookup. This is my way of sharing this with you. Uh, just DM me the word invest uh, on Instagram and I'm happy to get you all the details and my team will just send you some links and so you can you can make an informed and intelligent decision. That is Multifamily Investing 101, the foundational things that every multifamily investor should know. Take a screenshot, share this, and DM me the word invest and I can get you all the details. I appreciate you and I'll catch you on the next one. Hey, Sharon, I have a cool gift for you. Since you like this podcast, I actually have an ultra super secret private podcast that I make just for my partner companies and the CEOs and influencers that I advise. It's called 10K Wisdom because I try to wrap $10,000 worth of value in every single episode in just under 10 minutes. That's why it's called 10K Wisdom. It's raw, it's real, it's got no intro or outro or anything like that. It's just straight to the point and to the insights. Since you like this podcast, I think you will like that. So for the first time, I'm making it available to you. Just go to 10kwisdom.com, the number 10kwisdom.com, and my team will activate it for you as my gift. Go to 10kwisdom.com. I'll see you there.